Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you into the field of those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that change your life or at least bring you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. From time to time, you may hear different forms of ambient noise. We do not broadcast from some $50,000 Hollywood studio with soundproof rooms. In fact, I'm sitting here in my living room in my sumptuous apartment here in Las Vegas known to some as the hottest city in America, with my $30 Logitech headset and my Lenovo Yogo laptop. And that there is my studio right now. So we love the gorilla approach. And we like to get deep and we like to go into topics and take you places that most podcasts don't. Today, we have a very interesting topic. When I saw this one come across my desk, I knew this was one I had to have on. And we had a bit of back and forth because today's guest is very much in demand and pinning him down was a bit of a thing, but I'm so glad we got him. His name is Tony Now. The topic is about the video every company needs. So before I tell you a little bit about Tony, I just want to mention that 93% of brands say they get new customers due to videos posted on their social media accounts. That's according to HubSpot, which is a pretty well-recognized authority in this area. And yet 60% of marketing teams struggle with creating engaging content. I myself have a face for radio. I also have a voice for radio. So at least God was consistent when he handed out the attributes. I freaking hate doing video. Uh, I despise it. I can't stand it. Uh, I have another podcast that has a video component to it, but those blessedly, or only 10-minute interviews. You're on the Business Creators Radio Show, which is our mastermind format. So this is where we get to kick back. Uh, I myself have a have a cigar, don't tell my landlord, and, uh, and uh, who knows what Tony's doing over there, but uh, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder and CSO, that's Chief Storytelling Officer of T60 Productions. And it's his belief that every company has a story, and he loves helping them tell it. So after 10 years as a local TV news reporter, he left that business to start his own video production company, which we're going to talk about now. And he has worked with companies including United Airlines, Walgreens, U.S. Bank, Goose Island Beer Company, Common Spirit Health, and the NBA All-Star, Dwayne Wade. Tony, now come on in. The weather's fine. Well, thank you very much. It's it's good to be here. So you hate video. So great conversation. See you later, Adam. Nice having me. <laughs> As I said, I have a face for radio. Unfortunately, God also <laughs> gave me the voice. So at least he balanced out the attributes. So um, I, however, do recognize the importance of video. And I'll okay, tell you, start and, I, there. and I'll tell you, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and as our guests know, I'm not only the host, but I also have my pad of paper out and my two pens to capture aha moments. Uh, 
I'd like to do one really good one, and maybe you'll reveal some secrets for us. It'll help those like me who are really struggling with this and would like to come up with a masterpiece, a magnum opus, so that they can, in an ideal world, have something that they can use and keep using and continue to get the benefits from that so they don't have to constantly revisit it and hold the phone up and do TikTok and all the other stuff. So this is where this is where I think we can be helpful here. But before we do that, I read off only a piece of your official bio, as you may have noticed. The reason being is it's so impressive. If I read the whole thing, I would be exposed and I wouldn't even be worthy to be here in your presence. And oh, this is my show. <laughs> so what I want you to do is before we dive in, tell us a little bit about in your own words, a bit about your journey, what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sure. Well, it kind of dates me, <laughs> but I'll go Sorry. ahead and I'll do it. Uh, you mentioned that I was a TV news reporter, uh, and that's really my background is journalism and broadcast journalism. And I was a TV news reporter for about 10 years and really was kind of at a crossroads. I was at the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati at the time, and I was mulling over uh, a job in Seattle. And I was a features reporter. So I, I was doing people stories, business stories, and what I sort of like to proclaim as the good news of the day. Yeah. And the bigger the market you go to, the less sort of opportunity you have to do those types of stories. And so I, I was kind of at a crossroads. I'm like, do I keep trying to just climb the TV news ladder or do I maybe want to go in a different direction? And at that point, I decided, you know what? I, I don't want to keep hopping from market to market. I'm originally from Chicago and I would love to move back to Chicago. So that's basically what I did. It was I just packed up everything and moved back to my hometown. Didn't have a job lined up, didn't have anything and just had some of the, this sort of vague idea of, you know what? I'm going to start my own video production company because at that time, and we're talking like the early 2000s, you know, as a reporter, I would go into most companies and they would like hand me their corporate video. And, and I would always kind of take it back to the station, look at it. And they were universally horrible and kind of laugh and think they think honestly think I would put this on TV, you know, or use anything <laughs> from this. But it did get me to thinking that, you know what? somebody produced this video. And if you could do a better job than this, then maybe the, you could make a living uh, doing this sort of thing. And so that that was kind of my thought and my premise as I moved back to Chicago and got to Chicago and basically started it as my side gig. I, I got a job at WGN TV just as a news writer and producer. Uh, and I would do that in the evenings. And then during the day, I just worked on T60 Productions and started building that up. And at the time, it was we were still on dial-up modems and stuff. So, like my biggest sort of effort that I had to make was just convincing companies that they should be producing their own videos. Now, flash forward to today, that's not something I really need to convince businesses they need to do. I think most people in marketing, in particular, understand the value of video and how important it is to marketing a company today. So now it's really just a matter of you know basically helping uh, businesses tell their story well and tell it in a way with purpose and with a strategy involved that will help them get results from that video. So that, that's what I'm doing today. Great. So I want to, first of all, begin by defining our terms. And this may seem like we're almost cutting to the chase, but there are layers to this. So let's start actually at the top of the pyramid and work our way into the layers. 
Now you say there's a video every company needs, and this is that video. Do you want to make it so it's the one that every customer will want to watch? So tell us about that. Sure. I, you know, and this is something that I go into detail in in my book, Lights, Camera, Impact, and that is the notion of of sort of looking at what I call the core videos. And the core videos are the about us video, the product and service video, or the testimonial video. And the one video I think that every business needs is the about us video. Okay. The about us video is critically important for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's, you know, sort of your introduction to the world. You know, when you have a customer or a client coming, potential customer or client coming to your website to learn more about you, this is your first opportunity to get in front of them and almost give them a digital handshake and introduce yourself and, and tell them a little bit about you and do it in a way where you have the ability to tell a story, to touch them emotionally in some way and really make a good first impression. And I think we all understand the power of a good first impression. So this is the video that I you know, always tell companies, we'll get a lot of companies that'll come to us and they're kind of struggling with, well, we wanna do this video and this video and this video. The About Us video is just a great place to start. And it's because virtually every customer that you're reaching out to at some point or another is going to go to your website and click on that about page to learn more about you. And you want to have a video there, a good video there that's really going to grab their attention and endear your company to them. And that's why I think the about us video is so important. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you picked the about us video. And this is something that we don't really hear discussed all that option often. I'm aware of folks whose line of coaching is about how to create the about page on your website. And that's something that folks really seem to struggle with. That's one of the hardest parts of standard copywriting for a business website, a corporate website, or uh, that whatever website that is, it is designed to define what your business is and help your prospects identify themselves so that they know that investing in you is the best decision for moving them forward in whatever trajectory they're on. So this is a different conversation here, and I, and I like this. And it's about taking something that people struggle with and actually possibly simplifying it. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this a little bit more is uh, when we say an about page video, is this strictly the founder, the CEO, or the human figurehead speaking into a camera lens, or can we go further than that? Please say we can go further. I certainly hope we go further. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really hope we go further. And, you know, it's interesting. I love the fact that you said, is this the founder or the CEO? I always tell companies, you want to put your best face forward, you know, and maybe that is the CEO, maybe that is the founder but maybe it isn't, you know, and it, it's hard to sort of as a company sometimes take a step back and say, the CEO isn't the best person to be out front representing our company. But this is, as I mentioned, a first impression that you're giving people. And there are a lot of terrific CEOs out there that do a fantastic job running their company and casting a vision for the future but they're not public speakers. Yeah. They're not somebody that you want to put on camera and they might even be great one-on-one, -on -one, but the camera is just not something they're good, good at. 
And so I don't want to put that person on then if that's the case. So it, it's really, you know, it, it can be very tricky for people when it comes to that sort of thing, because, you know, it's it's hard to go to the CEO and say, we don't want you to be a part of this video. But, you know, it's it's really, when I when I talk about picking people for any kind of video, much less the, the About Us video, the criteria that I always give when somebody asks me, well, who should we put in there is, I always say, who's the person that when you see them walking down the hall, you see them like at the end of the hall approaching you, they just put a smile on your face. Yeah. And you're just glad to see them. And I don't care what role they're in because we can coach them up a little bit and make sure that they're hitting talking points and things like that. But that's the type of person that you want in your About Us video. And let's not have just one person. Let's have a few different people. And let's give a true representation of what this company really kind of looks and feels like. And so, you know... Can it be just the one person, just the, the CEO? If that CEO is incredibly charismatic, then sure, it can absolutely be that. But I would highly encourage people to do more than that, to you know really stretch and find a greater representation of the company. Let's talk to a few different people and let's tell the company's story and let's use video in a way that it can be used where we're using really good music, where we uh, are telling a terrific story. We're introducing great people. We're showing visuals of what it looks like around the company and how business is done every day. Let's not just put a single person on camera, have them talk to the camera, and then be done with it. Well, you also heard that I mentioned the human figurehead. And it's my mm -hmm. belief that companies should have a human figurehead. Uh, there's a a client I have, actually she is a client I have, and they're fantastic. And they uh, do great work in a very narrow but deep niche in a particular in a particular industry. When I first started working with them, they wanted to anonymize the company. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. they had gotten some coaching or some feedback that supposedly their audience would not respond to the idea of a human being being associated with the brand. So I was able to persuade them to just try just just humor me and try positioning their founder as their figurehead and have their emails go out in her name. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's funny. It's funny. What started happening is that we started with email marketing for them and uh, it was to promote uh, special reports. They had events they were doing webinars, they were hosting and things like that. And instead of putting it in the company's name, we put it in her name. And it was really interesting is she ended up getting paid clients out of it. Here's hmm. what happened. She had a reputation in the industry going back 20-some years, and folks had found their way onto the mailing list for this new venture who she had encountered in previous lives. So you got the replies of, OMG, it's been so long. We got to catch up. And, it's just, and, and, and there's another story. I met her here in Las Vegas in person. She was attending a conference for the industry that she's in, and she had a lot of encounters. People would walk up to her and say, oh, you're the, you're the one that sends that newsletter every week, or you're the one that hosts that podcast. That spoke a lot. That spoke many, many, many sentences that otherwise she would have tired herself out on on the repeated elevator pitch and handing out the business card again and again and again and again. And what it came down to is that people felt a personal relationship with her, even though they hadn't met her. 
Well, I, you know, I would like to say that that story surprises me, but it doesn't. And (laughs) I I am totally with you. I, I, I mean, I think that we all sort of understand, or at least I hope we understand that, uh, you know, we do business with people we know and like. And so if your company is anonymous, then you are putting yourself at a disadvantage. You know, right. I, I, I want people to feel like they know the company, that they know the people at the company. And a big reason for using real people from the company, not actors or something like that, is that we want them to get to know the company and the people at the company so that when they're having discussions with them, you know, it's, it's you know, like I mentioned, this, this is a first impression. This is talking to these people for the very first time. And so when you see these people on, on camera and they're delivering this message to you, they're telling you about the company, that's them. That's who they are. And we see ourselves in the company then because somebody either looks or sounds like us or they're describing something that that touches us in some way that, you know, we we find similarities. And so I think it's super important to humanize your company and show that it's not a nameless, faceless place. No, these are real people that are working here and that want to work with you. And so let's get them on camera and show them to the world. All right, so here's a little, whenever I have topics like this, I like to do a little fun quiz, and I like to mix it up. This will be this will be um, blessedly brief, I promise you. But I'm going to say a few company names, and I want to tell you, and I want you to tell me what comes to mind when I say the names. Uh, let's okay. start with an obvious one, Facebook. What, what, do, you, what do you want me to, to, to give you? I'm sorry. First thing that comes to mind, Facebook. Oh, Zuckerberg. Okay. Uh, Twitter. Elon Musk, obviously, and uh, <laughs> and and I did this one almost eight months ago, long before he had actually acquired the company. Just the news that he mm-hmm. was making the bid, uh, people believed that he had already bought the company, and they were already associating his name with it. Whereas if you'd have gone back three months before that, somebody says Twitter, uh, they probably would say Jack Dorsey. All mm-hmm. right, um, Instagram. Oh man, uh, uh, the Kardashians. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Uh, that's that's an interesting. That's an interesting thought because they're known uh, that you know, that particular marketing enterprise. It's well known for its commanding presence on Instagram. But out of those three, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, which one is the least exciting? For me, Twitter. Okay, uh, that okay. That's a personal view. Where I was going with it, and there was no right or wrong answer, but just for me personally. I can't associate a human figurehead with Instagram. Well, yeah, and oh, I I mean you heard me, that's the only one that I struggled with and the one that I came up with as a user and not somebody who works there. But you still thought of a human. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, you still thought of a human being, which actually makes my point. Uh there are no right or wrong answers, but they make the same point. Now, uh let's so let's delve into this video thing a little bit more, this about page video. So, uh before you hit record, you mentioned in your book, I believe, which is called Lights, Camera, Impact, Storytelling, Branding, and Production Tips for Engaging Corporate Videos. That's the name of the book. Everybody should buy it. Uh, before you hit record, there are five questions to ask and a plan you need to have in place from the very start. And I think that would be really helpful for some of our listeners right now. 
Well, I, I'm glad that you brought it up because it's really important. I think, you know, if, if you look at research that's being done right now on videos and marketing videos specifically, the Content Marketing Institute actually just came out some some really interesting data that says that 85% of marketers feel like they uh, they get either average or below average results from their videos. Uh, and I was like blown away when I heard yeah. that. But then those same marketers, uh, over half of them, 59%, say that they don't have a good plan for their videos. And I think that is an unbelievably uh, illustrative, you know, uh, sort of example of why you need a plan. <laughs> because I think that the reason why uh, many marketers don't get the results that they're hoping for from their videos is because they just kind of think the video is the plan. We just need a video. And that's not the case at all. And so when you go into producing a video, if you want to have an effective one, one that's going to help, you have to have some sort of plan attached to it. And you mentioned the five questions. I think these are the five questions you need to be answering before you do any sort of video project uh, that goes for the About Us video or anything else. And the first thing you want to do is simply define what your goal is for the video. I, these are this is like marketing 101 stuff, but you'd be surprised how many marketers don't apply this this stuff to when they're producing their content in their videos. So set a goal for what you want from your video and figure out a way you're going to measure it. And then the next thing you want to do is define your audience. Who is this video for? And this one is maybe the most important of all the questions that you need to answer because you're producing this video for them. And probably one of the biggest mistakes that, that many companies make is they end up producing a video for themselves. They don't end up producing it for their audience. It's all about what we want to get in the video and what we want to put in there and you know right. what we want to show people. And they should be turning it on the other side, turning it around and saying, what does our audience want from this video? What information do they need and require? What do they want to hear from us? And they, they need to approach it from that standpoint. So defining the audience is really important. And then the next question is, which where do we want to show this video? Where are we going to show it to the world? And that is going to go a long way to helping you decide how long your video is going to be. Because I always talk about with our customers, if, you know, let's say it's an about us video, we've been talking about the about us video. And for most companies, when they produce an, an about us video, the main channel for that is going to be their own website. And so if somebody's coming to your own website, it's a pull situation. They have come to you so you can give them something that's maybe a little bit longer than you might on social media or an email campaign where you're pushing content on them. So, you know, it's really important to define where you're going to show this video, or at least what the, you know, because you might show it in multiple places. So you want to define what the main channel is going to be. Uh, you want to figure out what your, the fourth thing is, you're going to want to figure out what your story is. You want to talk about this in advance. Now, the story is something that might develop through the course of producing the video, but let's at least start with some sort of an idea that, you know, of a story that we're going to tell. And then the final component is, how are we going to promote this video once it's all done? A lot of companies will, you know, figure out a plan for promotion once the video is complete and finished. 
And you don't want to do that. You don't want to be in a position where all of a sudden you have this video and you're like, okay, what are we going to do with this thing now? You know, let's figure that out from the very start and decide how we're going to promote it so that once the video is done, day one, we're ready to go. Let's put it into our, uh, you know, our promotion plan and get started. Yeah. So how do we do that? Uh, how do we effectively plan, produce, and promote these videos uh, to get the results we're looking for? I think the five questions are great, but this is what I think a lot of folks are into this for is how do we, yeah, how do we actually get these results? I mean, I would love to just say, well, you put it here or you put it there. Yeah. But the reason for doing the plan is for figuring that out as you go along, when you're setting your goal and figuring out how you're going to measure it, that's going to impact where you're going to promote it and how you're going to promote it. The channels that you're going to use are going to are going to help you define where you're going to show it and where you're going to promote it. Because I mean, right now it's like I'd love to say, well, put it on you know Facebook or put it on LinkedIn or uh, you know use Instagram or do a TikTok or you know something like that. But what works for company A might not work for company B. And so by putting together the plan and answering the questions and leaving promotion as the last question that you answer, hopefully that's going to help you uh, with answering that question when you get to the end, once you've gone through all of these previous ones. Right, right, right. Uh, because after all, I mean, a lot of us aren't doing it for our health. And uh, and you already heard my own personal excitement about the uh, creating video content, which is about non-existent. <laughs> so I recognize at the same time the power of doing it. So part of my interest in having this conversation with you on behalf of my listeners is to get as much information as we can to help us and show us how you can be a resource. So for those of us who don't want to be on camera, that we can make it count when we do. Because I don't want to do a thousand takes. I don't want to do 25 different videos and something like that. I'd like to create a few really good ones and have right. something I can just keep rolling with and rolling with and rolling with. So just like we teach in our in my business, which is the podcast reach system, we teach our podcasters to embrace what we call the Clint Eastwood director style when it comes to creating our podcast. In other words, something that requires little to no editing whatsoever ever other than splicing on the intro the outro and inserting any pre-recorded commercials for products and services so why i call it the clint eastwood director style is it goes back to how clint eastwood directs his movies in most cases scenes for his movies are filmed in one take that's it one take he, he, he doesn't do 25 different takes to to experiment with lighting tonality positioning or things like that uh, as long as that one take is good, it goes in the can and move on to the next scene. Uh, if they need to do it again, take two better be it or there's going to be problems. There are mm -hmm. two reasons he does this. Reason number one is he himself has usually has a project right behind the one he's on right now. And at 90 some 90 something years old, he doesn't have a lot of time for overruns. So he needs to get them done and moved on. The second is since his movies tend to be filmed within tight, tight time frames to begin with, that he wants to create a constant sense of forward momentum. And I think this is key, actually. So when the cast, the crew, and everybody gather, and they put in their 12 to 14-hour day zipping through filming this two-and-a-half-hour movie, he wants them to end that day feeling like they made real progress. 
Uh, there's a big difference between having 15 scenes done versus having struggled the entire day to do one. And the, re and the reason I share this with podcasters is you'll feel so much more momentum when you know that after you record that episode, that's basically it for you. You now you move mm -hmm. on to now you move on to light post production, then you get it out there and you start getting results. So this actually kind of goes to my next question. Uh, and this is uh, what you call the power of DIY. So let's say you want to shoot this video and you don't want to have to deal with professionals and you want to get budget savings. And you and along with that, well, you want to make some of the more authentic connections with your audience. I have thoughts on that too, but we'll save them for my rebuttal here. Uh, tell us mm -hmm. a bit about that. Well, I think it, when you're doing a DIY project, I mean, first of all, you the first thing you need to do is grant yourself a little grace. And and when I say that, I mean, you know, you're not going to produce a video as well as a professional is going to produce. And sometimes just saying that out loud and admitting it to yourself uh, makes the process go a little bit easier for you. You're cutting yourself a break. Uh, you know, because there is a learning curve. There's absolutely a learning curve to to doing it. And so, you know, just say out loud, you know what? Okay, I'm not a professional video producer. It's not going to be as good as what somebody else who is a pro is going to do for me. But, you know, I'm going to do the best that I can. That's the first thing you need to do. Then right. the second thing is really, you know, practicing. And there is no substitute for practice Trust me, the first time you pick up a video camera or, uh, you know, import your video into an editor for the first time because you want to do some basic editing or something, the first time you do it is going to take you much longer than video project number 15. Uh, and it's just because you've had all this practice uh, in between them. So practice is the key. And doing it as much and as often as you can, and the more you do, the better you will get, the easier it'll get. And really, I mean, especially if you're going to do something that is sort of serialized or, you know, you, you can almost have a template for how you want to do it, it goes even faster. So that, that's sort of the second thing. But when it comes to DIY projects, I mean, you really have to simplify it as much as possible. Understand what your skill level is and then go from there. And maybe, you know, as you start getting better, you want to add a component or two or, you know, try to push the envelope a little bit further. But if you're simply just going to get yourself, you just want to get yourself on camera, talking to your audience, uh, your potential customers, that sort of thing, then make it as simple as possible. And by all means, understand that you are human and the other people at the other end watching you, guess what? They're humans too. And they understand that you are not perfect. So if you don't say something exactly the way you would plan to say it or want to say it, or maybe you said the dreaded um at some point while you were speaking, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay because we're all human beings and that's the way we talk. And that's all the, the person at the other end is going to hear. Now, if you're saying, um, constantly throughout, you know, the, the, the take that you're doing, then that's a problem. But once or twice is not a big deal. 
And I think, you know, we get sort of this paralysis by analysis when it comes to videos where, you know, you do a take and you you sit there and you look at it and you're like, oh no, that was terrible because we're all our own worst critics. And, and that's how it, you know, you get to the point where it's like, okay, take four, take 14, take 21. And, Ugh. you know, you're just going on and on and on. And it's because it's like, you're trying to get it absolutely perfect and it doesn't need to be. And so just go with it, <laughs> you know, show it to somebody else other than yourself, show it to a friend. Hey, I just did this, send them a quick little email. I just did this little, uh, this, this little video. Tell me what you think. Uh, because the thing is that your audience is not watching your video with a hypercritical eye. You know, we will sit there and watch our own videos and agonize over every frame of that video, but that's not the way people watch them. And so you need to grant yourself a little grace, understand it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to have the perfect take. And use one that's good. Use one that you're you're okay with. And I will guarantee you, nine times out of 10, that is perfectly fine. The thing about video created by, let's say, or even audio created by, say, let's say, podcasters, uh, on webinars, live streams, it's the meta piece of it that makes it more exciting and relatable. And what I mean by meta is just the fact that it shows us as we really are. Mm -hmm. If you are um, like, you know, that like for every single sentence, then you do have a bit of a verbal pause issue. And there are ways of dealing with that. One of which is just to simply, when you find yourself at a place where you're trying to think of what your next word is, allow yourself to be comfortable with, that pause and allow your brain to flex itself and develop its muscles for feeding you the next word. And you notice I did little pauses throughout that sentence and it wasn't all that big a deal. If you want to get stronger physically, if you want to build your muscles, what do you do? You exercise them, you lift weights, you move yourself around. You engage in physical activity that increases your agility and trains your body to develop those strengths for you. It's the same with your brain. If you're doing a lot of verbal pauses, it means that your brain muscles are not optimized to feed you the next word, that there's work you need to do with building your natural stream of consciousness. So embrace that and use it. When you're at the gym and you're lifting weights, you take breaks between sets because you are allowing your physiology to have that opportunity to strengthen itself, to optimize itself, to make itself more agile, more lean, and more capable of doing what you need it to do. It's the same with training yourself to reduce those verbal pauses. And if you have one or two, well, everybody has one or two. You get really excited about a topic and you start speaking faster than your brain can work. And your brain's going to need to catch up, so it's going to give you the occasional verbal pause. So what? I have seen in some podcast discussion groups, podcasters freaking out because there were six uhs and ums in the first 10 minutes. And they're asking questions <laughs> like, uh, should I should I re-record the entire episode? Uh, what should I say to my guests? Yeah, I did a verbal pause right there. And I just did another one while I was explaining I did a verbal pause. And there's another verbal pause. See, see what I mean? See what I mean by this? Uh, 
So, and there's another one. They'll ask other questions like, what do I do? Do I need to explain to my guests they're not allowed to do verbal pauses? Should I put them through training first? Should I do pre-interviews? Should we do full-on rehearsals of our interviews? Should I even be doing podcasting? Am I cut out for it? Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. And, I, and I'll add to that in just saying, uh, don't overthink it. What one of the things that you know, a lot of times when we'll be doing interviews with people, you know, you can almost literally see the wheels turning in their head. You know, you ask them a question, and then as they start answering it, it's like they're not even looking at you, they're looking like all around the room and everything. And it's like they're searching for this amazing answer. And I always try to tell people just talk, just have this conversation with me. Don't search in your mind for the absolute perfect answer. And the great thing is that, you know, when you're producing a video for your company, and we can kind of go back to the about us video uh, in, in this respect, is that you're talking about something you know really well, and that's your business and where you work and what it is that you do and that sort of thing. So don't overthink it. You know, if you were at, a, uh, a holiday party and somebody asks you, you know, where do you work and what do you do? You're going to be able to just stand there and talk to them about it without, you know, thinking about the perfect answer or anything. And I think the, the mistake that a lot of companies make as they're doing their videos is they're looking for and expecting the perfect answer. And there isn't one, you know, have a normal conversation with people it's authentic, it's genuine, and audiences respond to that sort of thing. I always feel like if a video sounds like it's been scripted out for people, or it's gone through legal before it's gone to publication, or you know, it's put out on the internet, then it's going to sound that way. It's going to sound scripted. It's going to sound like you know they're looking for the right answer for everything. And that's just not what I believe most customers are looking for these days. They want to do business with companies that are genuine and authentic. And a video is an opportunity to demonstrate that to people. So don't try to be perfect with your videos, with your podcasts. And it's not to say you don't want to put your best foot forward. Of course you do. But also don't be paralyzed by it having to be perfect. There is something to that. A lot of info products out there we see these days, particularly of the $27 to $37 variety, I buy a lot of those. And the reason I do so is rather than spend an hour and a half binging the Yahoo out of the Googles looking for an answer to a question, I find somebody who I've come to trust as an expert in that area, and I'm willing to throw them 25 bucks because they put up a recording of a webinar they did so mm -hmm. that I can get an answer from an expert. And the fact that I'm paying more gives me an expectation, which is usually met, that they will give me a detailed answer that I can actually use rather than a bunch of why and what without the how. So I get mm -hmm. some how in exchange for my 25 bucks and I feel good about it. So I pay my 25 or $27. I set up my username and password on their site. I log in. And I click this video knowing that it's probably, even if they didn't say so, it's probably a replay of a webinar they did. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, some of the unbelievable amount of verbal pauses, uh, <laughs> voice diarrhea, 
and like um you know ugh. and they don't even clip off the five minutes of pre let's get started chatter they just take the raw recording put it up there and make a product out of it if people are making money off this <laughs> what are you so worried about <laughs> and and the stuff that people are making money off of is probably is probably worse than your worst take but yet right i feel that money was well spent and i feel like i got my value right i mean you know one of the things and and you know obviously i you know i have a video production company so we're in front of you know businesses and business people producing their videos you know every single day and we use the people at the actual company and a lot of times people will be nervous and they are sort of searching for that perfect answer or whatever and a lot of it is you know a lot of what i consider my job to be as the producer that's you know on the scene there is to talk to those people and help them understand that you know you don't have to look for the perfect answer this is what you do every day let's just talk about that and uh, you know, put them at ease with that. It's a little trickier when you're doing it by yourself and you're doing this DIY video. So I think that's why podcasts like yours and discussions like this are really important for people so that when they are in that situation and they're doing that DIY video, hopefully they will remember this discussion and they'll be like, oh, you know what? Okay. I just need to take a deep breath. It doesn't have to be perfect. Let's go. A few things about that. I checked with some of the people I know to be my most avid listeners, and I found out that their typical behavior for streaming our episodes is to do so in the background while they're doing something else, or to do it in a place where they're probably sipping on their beverage of choice, which we don't have to disclose, staring at the sky, <laughs> listening to, to it through headphones. So they don't need the video to begin with. Second of all, I don't want to hold a video pose for an hour. I'm just not going to do it. The third is think about where you are. I mentioned in the introduction that we are a from the field type podcast and we take you to those places where those mastermind meetings and aha moments happen. Where do they typically happen? You might be, it might be you and me sitting at a cafe somewhere. We have our nice table that we're up against the wall and we have a panoramic view of the entire place. We're not sitting facing each other. We're probably kind of sitting side by side. We look mm -hmm. over to each other and we make some eye contact here and there, but the conversation, part of it at least, is each of us looking straight forward. There are also going to be natural pauses in the conversation, or maybe you ask me a provocative question or something that leads me to think about what my answer is going to be. So what do I do in that moment? You may see me sort of lean back in my chair. I may put my hand on my chin. I may cross or uncross my legs. You're just going to see a shifting that says without words, I, Tony, I got you. Just give me a minute here. I got I to gotta think this one. Mm -hmm. And you're perfectly okay with that. But then when you're doing these things on Zoom, what happens is, is you're staring straight into the camera. You typically only see the head and the shoulders. So you're missing out on the conversation and feedback loop that comes from the full body language of the entire physique. Mm -hmm. And it's the internet. So you and I be having this conversation, you'd ask that question. And I take half a second to think, it's like, uh, are you there? You're going to answer this? You got something <laughs> for me? Are we connected? Hello? <laughs> and even if you're not having that type of emotive expression, by nature, some of that might be going on in your mind. 
I've tested this when I've had video conversations versus audio conversations. And I've noticed more often with the video conversations, I have to say to my own clients something like, excuse me that I didn't have the answer to the entire world's problems 1.3 seconds after you asked. But that doesn't come up as much when it's an audio-only format. Funny how that works. So taking out the body language component entirely actually removes some of the stress. Having the full body language removes it. But having only a piece of it sources problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I think one of the, th- the great things about video too, uh, when, when you're doing it, uh, is that you can use other aspects of video to cover the conversations as well. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, you might show somebody on camera, you know, talking about the, the company or whatever for five seconds, but then you cut away to other shots from around the company showing uh, yeah. the offices or how you produce a pro- you know product or you know whatever it might be we still hear them talking but we're getting the video of other things going on as well and so it's interesting because you know it's like from your perspective and talking about you know it's almost like video versus podcasting and advantages or disadvantages for each uh you know video allows you to add sort of an additional component to it all so you know, while we talk about, you know, body language and things like this, which is, which are all very important when it comes to video, uh, you know, it's hopefully your video is not going to be just that, you know, hopefully you're going to be taking advantage of all the other things that you can show within the video itself. So you you can kind of take advantage of that, uh, you know, the the same kind of thing that you're talking about where you don't need all of these visual cues, uh, you know, in terms of body language. I just counted 15 verbal pause type things in what you just said. <laughs> this, this, we have to throw this out and do it all over again. In fact, this is a disgrace to podcasting. You know, I try to be a good guest and you know, this is what you get. I, apologize. I say, I say that for our listeners to point out <laughs> how natural this actually is. You would have listened well, you know, to what, for our listeners, you would have listened to what Tony just said and you would not have had any comments on that at all. But yet, because I was listening for it, I found 15 verbal pauses in four sentences. So you're still worried about editing this stuff? Come on. And you brought up something, you know, it's funny because you have used, you know, you're a podcaster, I'm a video guy, and we have both used the same, uh, the, the same word when discussing kind of what we do, and that's conversation, you know? When we do an interview with somebody, what I always try to tell people is, you know, hopefully this doesn't feel like me just peppering you with questions and you answering those questions. I hope this feels like a conversation between the two of us because that's what I'm trying to achieve with this interview. In the case of doing a DIY video, if you're just talking to that camera, that conversation is with you and your audience. You know, you might be staring into that camera lens, but try to imagine that there are people on the other end of that camera that are watching you and you're having a conversation with them and and try to think about it that way. You have described podcasting in the same way that you want to have a, con- this is a conversation. And so if you have those natural pauses and things like that, when we're having a conversation with people, we don't, 
pick them out or highlight them in any way at all. It's just part of the conversation. And that's the type of content that hopefully we're creating. So now let's get a little bit into the structure of podcasting just for a moment to make your point. When folks apply to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, as you did, and you were represented by an agent, in fact, an agent we work with very frequently who sends us a lot of great guests. One of the things we asked either whether you were doing this yourself or whether an agent was doing it on your behalf is to give us uh, your proposed or suggested interview questions. The reason we do that is not because I intended to make it a Q&A type interrogation. It's because I need to know within a few seconds the following things. Number one, where to shine the spotlight on your intersection of your brilliance and your passion so this is a valuable exercise for your marketing. Because I want you to share this episode with others. Number two, so that I don't have to do a lot of research on you. I don't have time to listen to five of your podcast episodes or read your book or do extensive <laughs> research on you. In fact, I assume that if somebody is asking to be on my show, that they know how to do podcasting. I give that benefit of a doubt. We have a 90 some percent acceptance rate on applications and we just simply increased our volume of how often we release them because I'd rather have the opportunity to get to know more people than to be overly selective. This That's the nature of this show. And then the other piece of it is your agent gave us five questions to ask you. And so far we've gone through four of them. I did pose most of them in direct question format. However, I reworded them slightly and I did not do them in order because I adjusted that data to the natural flow of our conversation. So you can have both. Now, if somebody comes to me and says, uh, well, we'll discuss those questions before the interview. I'll say, well, there's not going to be an interview because you didn't give me any proposed interview questions. I don't even know if I should have you. You're not telling me enough. In a commoditized <laughs> world, you're not telling me what makes you unique. You're not telling me what makes you special. How can I, how can I help you have a great interview if you won't even tell me what it's about? So forget it. And for the and for the people who say, well, I'm the guest. I shouldn't have to give suggested interview questions. Uh, that the host should know how to do that. Well, let me just tell you that that celebrities, you mentioned the Kardashians. Do you think they don't give suggested interview questions? <laughs> it's more, it's more like it's more like here are the questions you will ask me. And here are the questions. If you even think about it, I'll walk off. So that's the reality of how it works. And going back to what you said earlier about planning, producing the five questions, if you want to do something in one take, if you want it to be natural and effective, having that plan going in, part of the reason that Clint Eastwood can film a scene in one take is because he and his crew put in the work before the take. Mm-hmm. They don't just wing it and they don't just say, hey, let's experiment and mess around and see what we come up with. Before that camera starts rolling, they have already mapped everything out. Everybody knows their lines. Everybody knows their roles. Everybody knows the goal of the scene, what they're supposed to get out of it, what he's looking for as a director, and they're ready to go. That's why he can get most of the scenes done in one take. It's not because he's winging it. It's because he goes in with a plan and uh, you go by that plan. That's how it happens. So there is one more of these five questions in the time we have left. And this, I think, 
brings us to the nexus, or not the nexus, but rather the climax of our natural progression here. And this is about getting the message out to the world. So what suggestions do you have for us, Tony, on creating videos that are ready to be shared? So, you know, get into video promotion, increasing views, which people are concerned with, and creating that holy grail viral content. Oh, well, I mean, every video we create goes viral. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, you know, uh, sort of manage your expectations and the likelihood of you producing any kind of a viral video is like slim and none. So just take that off the table to begin with. If you hit something and it is a viral video, then congratulations. You just, it's like you just punched the winning lottery ticket, you know? So, uh, you know, don't use that as your, you know, standard bearer for, for producing your video and sort of the results that you're looking for. But what I would say is, you know, as you're going through your uh, video plan and you're answering those questions, you know, we talked about the very first one is set a goal and figure out how you're going to measure it. And once you have done that, that's going to give you a much better idea in terms of what you need to do to promote it. Because I'm not so much concerned with the number of views that you get. What I'm more concerned about is, are the right people viewing this? Uh, you know, and so what I would say is start looking at the way you're already promoting your own content and look for areas that you think, you know, video will give you a boost or give you some benefit. So, for example, I mean, you know, a lot of us are, are using social media to promote ourselves and, and you know, promote uh, you know, what we sell and whatever it might be, the services that we offer. And if you go in and you look at your analytics, it's going to tell you which platforms are performing better than others. You know, maybe your goal is to, to get people to your website. You know, you want a, a, a steady stream of prospects headed to your website online. Well, go into your web analytics and look at your referral sources and figure out where they're coming from. And, you know, maybe Facebook is doing great for you and LinkedIn isn't doing so well or vice versa. Well, add video to that mix. You know, maybe it's, you know, LinkedIn's doing great. So we want to supercharge that. So we'll add video to that. And, and hopefully that will drive even more people to our website. Or maybe it's, you know what, we want to, you know, Facebook hasn't been doing as well for us and we want to give it a boost. So we're going to add video to that and see if that does a better job. But as with any sort of marketing tactic, and that's what video is, it's a marketing tactic. Testing is the key to all of this. And hopefully you get it right on the first try. And, you know, you, you think we're going to produce a video and we're going to use it on this platform. And we're hoping it's going to drive this much traffic or whatever it might be. And hopefully that works. But if it doesn't, let's try it in a different way. Let's use that video in a different way and experiment with it. And as you're producing your videos, you're going to figure out the, the best places to get the best results. And so if you don't get it right on the first try, what I would say is don't get discouraged. Keep trying it, but try it in different places. Don't keep beating your head up against the same wall. Let's, let's look for different avenues that we can try. So that's what I would really encourage people to do is you know don't get discouraged, try it in different areas and find out the best one that works for you. But video at its you know, sort of root 
is it's a great way to supercharge whatever sort of promotions you're you're doing. And adding video to it, if you have all sorts of content that you're already creating, how can we add video to those pieces of content to make them even better? All right, couple points here. The first is organic content multipurposing. You can mm -hmm. take pieces of that video and make other videos out of it. That's Heck the first yeah. piece. The second is you got to look at what is the real goal of that video? Is that going to be the video that's going to automatically get you the business, the, the close the high ticket deals? Now, I one of my uh, things I do for intellectual junk food is I go and look at some of those reels and shorts on Instagram. And there are certain people I follow because they share short videos on certain topics. Now, what you notice about these topics is, A, they tend to have some sort of gimmick to them. Like there's this uh, dating coach who at the beginning of her videos shows her sliding across the floor into the frame. And the other thing I notice about them, actually two things, is these types of videos tend to be choppy. So you know they were clipped and edited. Nobody cares. <laughs> and, they don't, and they don't spend a lot of time on the big scripted call to action. Sometimes they don't have a call to action at all. Sometimes the closest thing you get to a call to action is some little starburst that shows up at the beginning or the end. Or sometimes the watermark is the closest thing you get to a call to action. So what is the call to action? To give people content that's so intriguing, they want more. So they themselves say, I'm hitting that subscribe button. It can help well if you say subscribe for more. But I see videos out there that get subscriptions that boost subscription rates without even having to say it. It's a matter of how intriguing you make it and also how accessible, how fun, because this is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be boring. And I think about that also with how with the podcast reach system, we design our clients' intros and outros. Uh, we get clients that want to, uh, well, we got to put in, we got to mention our products and services. We got to put in the link to our special report. We got to mention our book. I say, the only purpose of your intro and outro so that people know where they are and to get them to click the button so they will visit your website and subscribe. That's it. So you keep telling them, visit the website, and you keep telling them, subscribe on your favorite network. Because what you want to do is you want to get people to get used to watching your episodes. And the more they watch your episodes and you share them on social media, the more the social media algorithms will just feed them more of your episodes. That creates your awareness marketing. That's what leads to them saying, hey, I'd like to connect with this person. I'd like to hire this person. Well, and also, you know what? I mean, I agree 100% with everything that you're talking about and it all applies to video as well. And something that you have to think about with, you know, your, your videos is that if you're building, if you're putting together this video based on a plan, then, you know, you need to look at it in terms of your greater communication strategy as well. And so where does this video fit into all of that? If you have uh, your own marketing funnel or flywheel or whatever you use, uh, you know, to, you know, get your message out to the world, it's where does this particular video fit into that equation? Is it 
a top of the funnel? Is it a middle of the funnel? Is it at the bottom of the funnel? And you know, when you plug the video into the right place, that's where you get really good results. You know, so you have all these marketers that I talked about before that feel like they get average or below average results from their videos. I'll guarantee you that most of them haven't even really considered that. They haven't looked at it in terms of their greater marketing strategy and where does this video fit into that? Because I mean, like the you know TikTok videos that you just described, those are terrific top of the funnel things. These are great awareness pieces to make sure people you know are find out about us and know who we are. But would you use that same TikTok video to try and close the deal with them? You know, for them to buy something from you? Probably not. That's not the best place for that video. But at the top of the funnel, it's perfect. The bottom of the funnel, a testimonial would be better in that circumstance. Somebody's yep. on the verge of buying. Now let's give them a good reason. Let's give them some positive feedback. Here's somebody who has bought from us so that if you do the same thing, you you can you can feel good about yourself and knowing that we're going to deliver for you just like we delivered to this person. So it's really considering where the video fits best in terms of this greater marketing strategy. And that's why it's so important to have a plan going in. Absolutely. Well, we're unfortunately out of time and I'd love to speak with you for about three more hours. But what I want to do is I want <laughs> to share an invitation you have for our audience. I encourage everybody, if you want somebody who's really going to help you with creating this type of storytelling video for your business, you really want to speak with Tony with Tony now. And you want to go to his, his name is Tony now. And I'm saying you want to speak with Tony now. So you want to go to <laughs> www.t60, that's the number 60, www.t60productions.com. And you can discover everything you need to know about Tony. And if you want a great introduction, just scroll down the page for a little bit. You're going to see some of his, he'll, he'll show you some of his pricing. He'll show you some of his offers. Uh, you can engage with him in a way that benefits you the most as you explore this territory and go then go a little bit further and you're going to see his book, which is called Lights, Camera, Impact. It's a great book. I haven't read it myself, but you've already gotten pieces of what's in that book throughout this conversation. So you got the appetizer, go get the full course. There's a link to it from his website. You can pick it up on Amazon. You can get it right now. It's Lights, Camera, Impact, Storytelling, Branding, and Production Tips for engaging corporate videos. Again, that's at www.t60productions.com. And if you missed me saying that three times, just look in the show notes. And with that, Tony Now, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, believe me, in education. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're going to cure this phobia, this video phobia you have, you and I. We're, we're going to get to that. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.